Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm so glad to have Melinda Schmidt back on the podcast. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, scripture, actually. Don't you dare yawn and tune out. (laughs) This is going to be uh, relevant. In fact, that's a part of what we want to talk about, um, the relevance of scripture. So Melinda, always wonderful to have you Mm. um, on the podcast for folks that are unfamiliar, you and I co-hosted a radio show for many, many years. And um, so it's fun to also do this kind of uh, co-host thing here on the podcast too. So welcome. Well, it's funny. We, we used to sit right next to each other behind microphones and and face the control room. And now you're in South Florida and I'm in South California. So (laughs) kind of a different scenario, but um we're still thinking, dreaming, examining, and yes. growing together. Oh, and then to that, that is great. So I appreciate that. You know, you were talking about um, scripture. I don't even know what, what got this topic started. You know, you and I are always texting and new thoughts, new topics come up all the time in conversation that way. So how did, how did you even start thinking about the relevance of scripture? And is it for now? Well, um, I, I can tell you that. And then I'm going to toss it to you because in the course of texting, you came up with a phrase and I just said, yeah, bingo, that's it. So what got me going is, um, I was reading a blog post and in it, this woman is her name, Sandra Jackson. I think, Uh, I think you sent it to me. Didn't you forward it to me? I did on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, she talked about how important lament mm. had been to her healing journey, which she didn't specify. I guess you, you know, the story, maybe if you follow her, but she talked about how reading the Psalms lamentations and the book of Job and writing lament really helped her mm. uh, heal through some things. And so I, I can't say that I have been drawn to the Bible a lot in the last few years, raised in an evangelical home full of scripture. I can remember scripture easily and so forth. I I just have been on a bit of a pause, I guess. And I think I'm not alone in that as you get on social media of all types and even books that are being written. I know you've talked with Brian McLaren about faith doubts and so forth. So interestingly, evangelicals are kind of pausing and looking around and looking at scripture and asking questions about, is it relevant for today? And, and really bigger questions, not bigger questions, but more questions than we can go into here. But um, I was texting with you about this and I said, Oh, you know, Anita, the other night I read lamentations three out loud four times. I read it twice in the new international version, once in the amplified and one in the message. And I said, it was so helpful for me to read it with all of the anger I am feeling right now. It was very informative. I love that so much. And so we had a little back and forth on that, but then you texted something that I thought was so good and I'm going to read it and then maybe let you take off on it. Um, You said in the text, the Bible is totally relevant, but we have to dig deeper and think more broadly. And I was talking with my husband, Dave, about that. And he said, you know, for far too long, evangelicals have not wanted to do the hard thinking. Yes. So I think both of those thoughts, your commitment to the relevancy, but the having to dig and then Dave following up and saying, yeah, we're not doing hard thinking or we've been hesitant to. Well, and I think, um, uh, well, I'm a, a big fan of spiritual practices. And so I have in the last few years really gotten, um, fully engaged with, and I lead a group at weekly at our church, um, uh, in Lexio Divina. And so that 
really brought me back um, up close and personal with scripture and in a new mm. and fresh way, mm. in a way that, um, ma- to what you just said, that, that made me go uh, deeper and also um, sp- spread out, stretch out and go more broadly. And then I was reading and looking at some of the things that Rich Viotis says. He's authored a couple of uh, really excellent books um, uh, that the, uh, the spiritually formed life now I'm getting the title wrong, but, and he just released, um, good, beautiful and kind, and that's a wrong title too, but I'll get that right before the end. And I'll post, <laughs> we'll post that also in the show notes. Um, I know this like the back of my hand, you know how that is. Um, but, but he says, you know, what, what, uh, use are the superficial changes that we make, um, in our lives? If we neglect the deep work, that God wants to do inside us. Mm. And I love the Mm. fact that he goes on to say Mm. that we are always, we're always being formed. Number one, we know that, but, but Viotis says we are always being shallowly formed. The work God wants to do in us requires us to look within, to look deeper and therefore to be deeply formed. Why? Mm. Because we're covertly and consistently being formed by a culture that is fashioned by shallowness. And we probably Mm. know that on one level, but we're not actively thinking about it. So in short, I think, you know, we're being shallowly formed by all kinds of things around us um, because we are being formed in one way or another, whatever it is that we give our mind to our heart, to our energies, to that is forming us. And I think the question is, are we being shallowly or deeply formed? And you may Mm. recognize the passage in Galatians four, later on in the, in that chapter, Paul's talking about his deep desire for the Galatians, feeling like he was in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in them. So he was all about forming them more deeply. And in fact, with Christ in them and, um, you know, he talked about outside sources who wanted their attention and time, but the goal was for Christ to be formed in them. And we sure know about outside sources. Um, I think about what, uh, what we are in church, maybe, maybe if you're going these days with COVID and everything and all kinds of shifts and changes, um, one hour a week, let's say you're in church one hour a week. And then, uh, how many hours a week do you watch news? what is really Mm -hmm. forming your life? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Netflix. Yes. Well, or, or that, yes. You know, uh, right. Mention your streaming pleasure, prime Netflix, Hulu. (laughs) There you go. So what is forming us and are we being shallowly or deeply formed? I also thought it was interesting. Uh, Viotis talked about uh, in some conservative traditions, transformation is all about getting the right theology, right? We want mm. to be right uh, in, mm-hmm. in our heads while completely overlooking the inner work that God mm-hmm. wants to do. And then you can move mm. from conservative to more progressive, and then there's still issues there. Transformation is about right action and right um uh, not only right action, but engagement within the world, but often at the expense of personal humility and mercy. And then he just went on to say charismatic and Pentecostal traditions. Transformation there is about getting the right experience. But again, without the deeper work of loving well and exploring our inner world. So we've got to pay attention to our inner life and be formed more deeply. I kind of went on. And well, on there. Sorry. <laughs> what I appreciate is when he said um, in conservative traditions, transformation is about getting the right theology in place and getting that in our head while overlooking the inner work that God wants to do. And Nita, I know your degree is in theology and I'm glad for that as we do the program together, because I know that you've had training in theological um, thinking and the rules and uh, all of that that goes along with it. I have heard that over the last few couple of years from evangelicals who said, I'm just digging deeper into my theology. And so we're not here to debunk theology, but I do think of Jesus in um, his visit to us, which is recorded in the four gospels of how often he said, oh, no, no, we're not doing it that way anymore. The theology of the time that the Pharisees knew so well, he kept raising his hand and saying, oh, no, 
no, that's, that's not what God means. We're going to change and do it this way. In fact, we're not going to even focus on the law as much anymore, but we're going to talk about God's grace and love. And you can imagine how startling that must have been to the theological leaders of the day who had built their lives on absorbing theology, studying it and training others. But I think it's a good pause for us in this crazy time in history to to look at our theology and ask as rich does and as if you and as you are asking us to do to ask ourselves hey are we really taking in the inner work that god wants us to do theology and all that it stands for isn't wrong but what is the personal nature of that impact on your own life and and i wanted to mention you know what what i was sharing from rich viotis is from his book the deeply formed life um, an excellent mm. book. And he has a brand new one out called good and beautiful and kind. And I can recommend really anything, um, that rich has written. I follow him on Instagram and, um, just find so many of his comments helpful and relevant, and they do make me think more deeply. Um, and he, you know, he's all about going deeper. And I so appreciate that. Um, yeah. yeah so thank you for your comments as well. Um, well, you know, we asked at the beginning that, you know, are we willing to do the hard thinking? Mm -hmm. And I think where this hits home for me is that I'm having to do the hard thinking over the last couple of years. I think a lot of us are, we've had huge upheaval in our country with COVID and the political scene and racism. And now the war in Ukraine, oh, we didn't see any of this coming. And, um, the hard thinking is right at our doorsteps. And I guess I felt like since I, I guess I felt exceptional, honestly, because I was number one, an evangelical and number two, American, and I'll add number three, white. And I thought that I would be excluded because I was in a different club. It pains me to say these words, but the pain has run deep over the last year and a half as we have transitioned to California. And, you know, it's, it's not been a kind journey fully. It's been full of struggle. I never anticipated this. Thank you for naming this. Thank you for naming that though, because I I think other people are nodding their heads hugely in agreement with you and, and going, yeah. And, and, and you can add in aging. Let's add in aging to the the Mm -hmm. equation. (laughs) Or maybe yeah, we want to yeah, talk about that. But yeah. So many things. And these days are aging us for sure, I think. Yeah. But I think for me, I found out that God is not an evangelical magic wand. <sighs> and theology isn't either for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And I don't think it was in the gospels either. Um, Jesus had at his disposal the Hebrew Testament and the rabbinical theological thinking, and yet he went beyond. And I, I guess I wonder, can we do the hard thinking that God is mystery? And God is sometimes maddening. Mm. I have really been mad at God I love uh, over the last year and a half. And, mm. and yet he is mystery. The Old Testament particularly invites us to the rawness of life as well, which was full of mystery. I mean, there are some crazy stories in the Old Testament that I think we have definitely glossed over. There's rape, there's incest. There's lying, there's greed, there's power. And I wonder if sometimes if we don't feel like we can gloss over the hard stuff and not dig deep into our hard stuff, maybe our country's hard stuff and our family's hard stuff and our faith's hard stuff and the social issues, hard stuff. We don't need to feel pain and our theology will strengthen us enough so that we don't have to feel, you know, I think there's hesitancy to feel. Oh, yes. What is going on with us and just get to the answer, get to the answer and get to the theological answer. I was taught feelings. You can't trust feelings. We don't want to feel anything. And also very head centered. The evangelicalism I grew up with is very knowledge based, Mm -hmm. not, not heart uh, and emotion feeling based. And in fact, really discouraged, discouraged, big time discouraged. We don't want to think about that. It's just, we want the facts. We want the mm-hmm. facts. Yeah. Interestingly, I was reading in Matthew today after Jesus cousin, his relative had his head chopped off, right? 
served up on a platter. Mm. I mean, if I was his family, I would have passed out from it all. Just beyond belief. It's like the stuff that ISIS does. And the next verse says, after that happened, Jesus went away to a solitary place. Those are feelings. Yeah. Jesus had feelings. And when that horrid death and grief came over him, he went away. What does that say to us? When really difficult things happen, we can pull aside and be, think, weep, scream, we, you know, but not brush it under the carpet as we often, yeah. so often do. And just repress, through. really mm. just repress all that. Right. Yeah. Jesus yeah. did not model that for us. He no. modeled feeling engaging with the world around and what exactly is happening. Yeah. And he didn't pull out an explanation or a phrase or a prophecy or a benediction for why John got his head chopped off. He exited and got by himself. So in the course of our conversation back and forth, I said, you know, Anita, it would be interesting if we read Lamentations 3, and there's two things that happen in that chapter of the Old Testament. One is there's this raw portrayal of anger against God and confusion with God. And then there's this other voice that brings up in like several paragraphs all at once, God's goodness and compassion. And as I read through it aloud this week, it was, it was kind of crazy making. I thought this person sounds kind of kooky all the way over here. And then all the way over there, it's not how it always works for me had to be reminded that we don't know how long it took to write this chapter three. I love that. We've we've chapter tized it, but right. You know, portions may have been written on a Tuesday and two weeks later, something else was written. Think of your own journaling, right? Boy, I'd, ah, there, I wrote a bunch of stuff yesterday. Oops. I didn't have any time to do that the next three days. Then I got back to it and felt differently. So wow, there was a much more positive spin on Friday than Saturday. Something happened and there I was Mm -hmm. back in the Mm -hmm. deeps again. Yeah. Yeah. So we just don't know, and we don't have an answer for that question, Mm -hmm. but both voices are captured. So what we decided we would do today is I'm going to read the mad parts (laughs) and you're going to read the the good parts about (laughs) God and kind of be a be a chorus um, that that uh, includes the other side of the coin. Nice. And we're going to put those together and then talk about it a little bit. Great. Okay. So this is Lamentations three and it starts off like this. I am the woman who has seen trouble, trouble coming from the lash of God's anger. He took me by the hand and walked me into pitch black darkness. Yes, he's given me the back of his hand over and over again. He turned me into a skeleton of skins and bones, then broke the bones. He hemmed me in, ganged up on me, poured on the trouble and hard times. He locked me up in deep darkness, like a corpse nailed inside a coffin. He shuts me in so I'll never get out. Handcuffs my wrists, shackles my feet. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he locks up my prayers and throws away the key. He sets up blockades with quarried limestone. He's got me cornered. He's a prowling bear tracking me down, a lion in hiding, ready to pounce. He knocked me from the path and ripped me to pieces. When he finished, there was nothing left of me. He took out his bow and arrows and used me for target practice. He shot me in the stomach with arrows from his quiver. 
everyone took me for a joke, made me the butt of their mocking ballads. He forced rotten, stinking food down my throat, bloated me with vile drinks. He ground my face into the gravel, pounded me into the mud. I have given up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is. I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember, and remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the one who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times, when life is heavy and hard to take. Go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard, in throwing roadblocks in the way, stomping down hard on luckless prisoners, refusing justice to victims in the court of high God, tampering with evidence. The master does not approve of such things. Who do you think spoke and it happened? It's the master who gives such orders. Doesn't the high God speak everything, good things and hard things alike into being? Okay, let's lift our hearts and hands at one and the same time, praying to God in heaven. We've been contrary and willful, and you haven't forgiven. You lost your temper with us holding nothing back. You chased us and cut us down without mercy. You wrapped yourself in thick blankets of clouds so no prayers could get through. You treated us like dirty dishwater, threw us out in the backyard of the nations. Our enemies shout abuse, their mouths full of derision, spitting invective. We've been to hell and back. We've nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. Rivers of tears pour from my eyes at the smash-up of my dear people. The tears stream from my eyes, an artesian well of tears, until you, God, look down from on high, look and see my tears. When I see what's happened, the pain breaks my heart. Enemies with no reason to be enemies hunted me down like a bird, threw me into a pit and pelted me with stones. Then the rains came and filled the pit. The water rose over my head. I said, it's all over. I called out your name, O oh God, called from the bottom of the pit. You listened when I called out. Don't shut your ears. Get me out of here. Save me. You came close when I called out. You said, it's going to be all right. You took my side, Master. God, you saw the wrongs heaped on me. Give me my day in court. Yes, 
You saw their mean-minded schemes, their plots to destroy me. You heard, God, their vicious gossip, their behind-my-back plots to ruin me. They never quit, these enemies of mine, dreaming up mischief, hatching malice day after day after day, sitting down or standing up. Just look at them. They mock me with vulgar doggerel. Make them pay for what they've done, God. Give them their just desserts. Break their miserable hearts. Damn their eyes. Get good and angry. Hunt them down. Make a total demolition here under your heaven. And that's Lamentations 3. Wow. Yeah. Pretty powerful. Right. Uh, there, you said this at the beginning, Melinda, a lot of rawness. And I, I would love to hear from you what, what you picked up on in the rawness of lamenting, you know, the parts that you read those real heavy lamenting parts in, in Lamentation mm. three. Mm. Well, I think the hardest thing, and Dave and I have talked about this since I got into this, that verse that says you took a bow out right. of your quiver mm-hmm. and you pointed it and you let it go into me. I was your target practice. And it just still brings me to tears when I think about that. How much despair, anger, the feeling of being let down are you in when you say something like that? When you feel that God has used you for cruel target practice. And that was pretty raw. That was pretty raw. And I think validates some of the real feelings, if we're going to be honest, that we have sometimes about this mystery called God that we keep trying to figure out and have answers for. And yet sometimes we feel like we're actually being hunted or destroyed by God. And it's very confusing to put that together with the verses that, that you read a couple of other things, Anita are, uh, when the, um, writer writes about the enemies, like we don't really have those same kind of enemies today, but I think of Adam young, who says every day we wake up to warfare. It's a fact of life and very much believes in evil spirits and dark spirits. And the Bible talks about that. Jesus is in control, but those spirits are still have been left to run around our planet and to spiritually influence us. And so every time I was reading about those, about how they've whispered in my ear and how they mock me and deride me, I thought, yeah, that's that inner critic or those inner voices that tell us you're crazy. You're doing it wrong. God doesn't love you. This will never work out all the negativity. And so that was helpful for me to, to think of it that way. Well, and it made me very much think of Job and think of not, though, what stood out to me was exactly what stood out to you. That part about the arrows, the bow and arrow Mm -hmm. use me for target practice. But I thought about Job and I thought not, not directly from the hand of God, but allowed those, the evil is around us. These things are allowed. And then what do we do with that when we are attacked literally? Right. And I mean, of which that, um, those verses made mention, um, arrows, where's the poet, right? Yeah. Arrows, arrows. What did you say? The arrows fly. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we are the pin cushion in which they hit us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And how quickly sometimes we turn to God and say, was that you? Mm. And I guess that's a good question, Nita. Like the the writer felt that God was the one provoking that, but it's, it's good to ask ourselves, well, what really is provoking us? Is it life and, you know, or whatever? Um, Yeah, it'd be good to dig deep into that. One more thing, when it talked about friends mocking, I don't know if we feel that directly these days. It's not like we get into the, the village green and do that to each other in a Western culture, but Perhaps we have friends that haven't understood our journey 
And that can feel like a top type of mocking as well. When our friends aren't growing in the same ways we are, or they don't have spiritual understanding, or they just can't handle that things aren't working out or things are upsetting. And so they have to step in with that, um, you know, God is on the throne kind of stuff. I was just going to say, because (laughs) they're still living in a space where God is not mystery, where everything needs Mm. to be very Mm -hmm. settled. Well, and isn't it wonderful to have life all settled in black and white? I mean, that's <laughs> in some and ways. Maybe parts of our lives easier. are for a while. Yes. Yeah, maybe parts of our lives are for a season, but not every season. Yeah, not yeah. Season. How about you? What did you pick up in those hopeful parts of Lamentation? That well, you, you know, we, we, we know some of the hopeful parts well, because we think of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We think, you know, morning by morning, <laughs> your mercy, mercy to every morning, right? We, yeah. we know some of those words because they've been repeated in various ways in song for us. And so I did think about that and the reality that, yeah, the sun does set every day, but it also arises. And it's a new day. We, we there is potential refreshment. It's like um, nature speaks to me in a way that helps keep hope alive. Mm. When I look at outside my life, that can give me hope. And I feel like God has given us a lot of that. And sometimes when we're in the thick of things and are feeling like the arrows are being um, you know, being um, sent directly into us, into our gut. Um, what can we look at that um, that shows or reminds us of who God is and can be in our life as well, mm-hmm. and we can hold on to Him? I'm looking um, at the, the second part that I read as well. You know, you just that thought that you listened, you did hear, you listened when I called out, um, you know, don't shut your ears, Mm -hmm, get me mm -hmm. out of here, save me. And you actually did come close. Now I wanted it to be done more quickly and in a different way, but you did it in your way. And I still hung on to you, God, and just waited. Mm -hmm. Um, that, I I think I was, I recognize the good, but I also recognize that it was not in my timing. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. that's just hard. And we talked earlier about the two sides of the coin in this chapter, Lamentations 3 in the Old Testament. And sometimes I think we're seeing more of one side than the other. And and that's Mm -hmm. just normal too, to feel more strongly one way or the other. But I think what I take away is, you know, many of us are struggling to make both sides relevant. Yes. And I think something we've been saying here is all the goodness of God has been greatly emphasized in our evangelicalism, but it's this raw anger that has not been uh, brought out maybe as clearly or as often. And, um, so it, it kind of begs the question, how do we read scripture through 2020 and 2022 eyes? You know, I think that's really key. The last couple of years have been really grueling in a lot of ways. They it's called upon our creativity. Yeah. It's called upon science. It's called upon leaders. Sometimes we're happy about that. Other times we're disgusted or disenfranchised from our leadership. But just when we would think it, it can't get any worse than this, something else comes along. Mm. Oh, and yes. so reading scripture through today, I think can be a very fascinating experience and very revealing when we're wondering if scripture is relevant, you know, we have to put on the, the lens or see it through the lens of the, of the newscast tonight. And, and that's very much in in a form of lament. I mean, exactly what you're talking about today, because that is the world we're living in. Uh, I just realized one of the things, unless I missed you saying it, you know, you mentioned a whole bunch of current events and, but what came to my mind also have just been the mass shootings recently Mm -hmm. that there's Mm -hmm. just no, again, just one more thing that just makes no sense. That is just 
heartbreaking and heart aching. And then the report. Yeah. The report that came out about the police and how they responded to Yuval. And, right. And you're just like, no, mm-hmm. it's not only that many students died, but this yeah. wasn't carried out. The authorities well didn't, and, yes, didn't uh, do their job. But I think, and, I think you modeled something so beautifully in having us read the, this, the Lamentations passage. I think for us to search for those scriptures that feel very much like we feel, because sometimes we struggle finding words for how we feel, or we can struggle, maybe our evangelical upbringing, thinking I can't use the words I really want to use. Oh, yes, you can. Um, You know, and those words are already in scripture. You just heard some of them in Lamentations. You know, look through the Psalms, look at other places in the Old Testament, you will find and maybe you just need to find some some scripture that you can scream out at the top of your lungs mm-hmm. or the dramatic reading, whatever the case may be, that speaks how, what you're feeling. Yeah, and I think a version, the mm-hmm. version of scripture. There's so many you can get on U version, yes. the Bible app, and they've got yes. a ton of them. This is from the Message, or I I think moving from version to version brings its own clarity as as um, editors have struggled over the centuries to really translate well Mm -hmm. God's word. I think it helps as well to read a passage aloud in the voice of your own lament Yes, so that we can hear our feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, read it dramatically, imagining how the writer felt in the moment, pull out your, your repressed I'm an actor <laughs> uh, <laughs> voice or persona and, and see if you can relate if, as you read these words in the Psalms, Jeremiah, Lamentations, um, even Ecclesiastes. Uh, here's, a, here's a whole bunch of books in the Bible that are just begging dramatic reading. Read them in your voice and let your brain and your heart hear you. Yes. Re, uh, read your feelings. Yeah, I think can be very helpful was for me and I'm continuing to do it as I read scripture to not just be like, no, right. Well, how does that sentence really read? We've read scripture flat in a flat way for way too long. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and use your imagination to name your enemies, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the enemies that you heard mentioned in the passages, you know, they're the enemies that, that people had in, in the stories that you read in the old Testament, they're different enemies than right. what we have right. today. What, you know, right. talk about right. what are, what are the enemies we're dealing with the equivalent of these enemies that you hear about in scripture, the scary bear or lion on the path. What are the 21st century equivalents of those? Mm. And there mm-hmm. are plenty of 21st century equivalents of those. Mm-hmm. And really daring to wrestle with what disturbs you about God's responses. I think when I, I, I uh, hear of those deconstructing and I have, I'm not afraid to use the word I have deconstructed in my faith too and reconstructed, but there are some legit passages that really call on us to get a cultural context or to research or to consider or think through, you know, why it doesn't make sense or why it's so disturbing. And it goes back to kind of your um, first comments, Anita, about digging deeper and not doing shallow thinking, but doing deeper thinking and being willing to do that because you know, why can't we believe that this book is still relevant for today, along with its mysteries and questions and the maddening parts or the confusing parts or whatever, which I think another thing that helps is the cross references. And I love that I have those in my Bible. And if you're not familiar with them, the definition of a cross reference is a note that's placed alongside the biblical text, which sends you to another place in the Bible where you can find the same thing or something similar. So it either backs up the verse or gives you another perspective, or you see that it's been a thread in scripture. And of course, it only gives the book and chapter and verse. There's no comment 
So you are free to dig for yourself. And it yes. may, might say, go to Job 2.10. Well, then go there and read that. And I find it, it kind of leads me on these tangents that are equally so fascinating and interesting. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I think that's, that's part of being formed more deeply is doing this, as you mentioned, right at the outset of this podcast, Melinda, doing the digging ourselves, not relying on someone else, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have done for a lot of our lives, but mm -hmm. doing the work yeah. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever we're fed. And I think you mentioned this earlier, Anita, you know, as we dig around in different books of the Bible, we're going to find other angry feelings or emotional responses or questions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the prophetic, those little dinky prophetic books, books right yes. at the end of the Old Testament, yes. there's a lot of spiritual confusion and anger and predictiveness, you know, anger on God's part too. Yes. Let's, let's just watch God be angry yeah. and get to know that a little bit. Well, um, and if you're a woman, <laughs> I'm just here to say, I really, oh, I gravitate. It's so many of the stories of female characters in scripture have been so helpful to me um, as I've read and dug around and read some wonderful female writers that have extrapolated some broader and deeper things than the typical uh, maybe message that I had heard all right. up in my childhood. Yeah. And I, I needed that. I didn't feel a mm -hmm. value at all for probably the first half of my life in the church life of the church. And I, I needed mm -hmm. those stories and the, you know, some of the old Testament characters, but also uh, some of the beautiful new Testament stories that I've just finally been seeing it with new eyes. And that's made a huge difference mm -hmm. to me as well. Well, if you want a real conundrum, read Esther. Yeah. It's basically the bachelorette thousands of years ago. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and, you know, thousands totally. of contestants or whatever, hundreds. Yes. And what, what was she actually being trained oh, to do? Thank you, Melinda. Yeah. Yes. So, and she won. <laughs> right. So she did a good job at whatever she was trained by the eunuchs, yes. it says to do. And yep. she's apparently a good cook and and, and hot and everything else. So how do you reconcile that? And yet I think of, of stories of war in our own lifetimes mm -hmm. where people had to be crafty to save lives yeah. and give away some of themselves for, for this cause. I mean, there's a heroine if you ask me, but you know, we're just like, and so she went in there and then she had all this perfume and she can, what? Right. We're, well, you know, right. you think of the Sunday school stories. That's we what were I was told. I was just thinking the Sunday school stories that were nowhere. <laughs> beautiful Queen Esther. Yeah, the real deal. Yeah. With her glam squad. Yeah. <laughs> so she'll win. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. We digress. Okay. Well, uh, I, I think what we're saying today is that we, if we want to find out how, how or if the Bible is relevant, it's a worthy question to ask if you're asking it. Mm -hmm. But we would say sometimes you have to dig deeper past the verbiage of your past faith experience or how you were raised and find the reality of God in scripture for these times, for this year. Yes. For what you are experiencing now. And I'm encouraged in Isaiah 30, there's a couple of verses there that promise the teacher will come to us. And I'll just read them. Um, Isaiah 30, 20 says, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more with your own eyes. You will see them, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. And then this promise that God will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground. And the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. And, you know, there's that saying, when we are ready, the teacher comes. This is, I, I noticed hunting around that teacher in this verse is sometimes God and sometimes teachers, plural. But I do think when we are searching and ready, mm -hmm. new teachers do come to us. And I know that my own reading has expanded on social media, the, the psychologists that I follow or the teachers the readers yep. or the authors that I'm reading, you know, 
maybe there are some new authors, Barbara Brown, Taylor, Joyce Rupp, Joan Chittister, Kathleen Fisher, Diana Butler Bass, Suzanne Stabile, Anne Lamott. You know, you may not agree with her in every way, but just wrote a beautiful piece as an op-ed piece in the New York Times on prayer. It was stunning. Um, Catholic writers like Paul Robb, Christine Walters Paintner. I know, Anita, you could add more. Yeah, there's YouTubes. Yep. There's all kinds of seminars going out there, like opening up our minds to other voices, teaching voices. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, keep, carry on. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, I, I think we're trained to think that the only writers we should listen to are the authors of the gospels, the old Testament, or the men who wrote letters in the new Testament Yeah, case closed. And I think that the Bible just reverses that thinking because um, Jesus only knew the Hebrew or old Testament, but now the gospels have been written about his life. Now there's other letters and books of the Bible. It expanded. It's like our universe at expanding and God's word expanded as well. And who are we to say it all ended in 300 AD or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, no, there are more teachers to come and Jesus did come to set us free in Luke four. We read that in Isaiah 61, you know, there are things to think about, you know, what do we, what do we need freedom from this year? Maybe it's lingering family of origin stuff. What do we need to be set free from? Maybe it's creeping bitterness about where we're at in life right now. Maybe what it's from feels- being silent. That's what I, I, I thought about that uh, as you posed that question. Like, yeah, I, I need to be freed from being silent. Oh, so good. Freed to open, open my mouth and say some things. Open your heart, open your mind. What are the things that have been repressed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what feels oppressive to you? You know, Martha had a wake up call in Luke 10. Whoa, whoa, you're too busy. You know, what's really needful in your life? Um, my so, favorite, my favorite in Luke 13, the, where Jesus healed the woman who was bent over and she's mm, up straight for the first time in years. Maybe that's a story you need today. Yeah. To stop being bent over under whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the, the big pointed question. What is in here for me today yes. and go, go looking for it. Absolutely. You know, um, we're going to provide a, uh, a template. Thanks to Christine Walters Painter on writing a lament. Maybe that's something you want to do, need to do, have felt, mm. uh, compelled to do as you've heard us talk here today. And that'll be on the show notes. You know, it'll be on the homepage, uh, on the website or the show notes of this, um, specific podcast as well. Oh, she's got a great outline. I, I happen to take a course from her in May of uh, 2021. And I, I found my notes on lament. She quotes uh, Bruggeman. Is it Walter? Oh yeah. Walter. Yeah. Who says this, the, the Psalms are kind of broken up into thirds, the Psalms of orientation, that is life as it should be. Then the Psalms of disorientation, which where we see a profound sense of loss in life. Mm-hmm. And then the Psalms of new orientation, nice. this orientation has passed and there's praise for God's faithfulness, which I think are the verses that you read out of Lamentations three today, Anita. Yeah. And um, a quote I wrote down, I scribbled in my notes when she was talking, she said, lament is a must for prayer practice, practice to cry out our prayers And she said, ancient prayers like the Psalms can help us to do that. And she outlined a lament for us, which of course you're offering in the show notes, but some of the the questions were, went like this. What is your name for God? How do you get God's attention? What do you say? And, you know, reading in Lamentations three, wow, it was pretty out there. The words that were used (laughs) and then naming your loss Mm -hmm. and then calling out to that God name and asking, you know, just not only naming the loss, but what do you need? And then what's the desire behind your prayer? What are you crying out for? And then finally, what do I need to know 
to know that my heart cry has been received? What is the sense of witness that tells me I've been heard and seen? Mm -hmm. And she said, it might even be a phrase like I celebrate whatever, you know, or I remember whatever, what, what do you need? Just an open-ended question. Tell God, here's what I need to know that I've been seen and heard by you. Jan Richardson says, our mourning compels us to name our sorrows, which you've just been talking about, to name our losses, to name our mm. wounds inflicted and received. And our grieving beckons us too, to name our causes for joy, to name our dreams and longings. Our mourning, our lament invites us beyond our own heart's desires into the heart of a world as fragile as glass, as easily broken and brimming with the promise of healing, which I love that last beautiful phrase. Yeah. Beautiful. Is that in Christine's book? That's in Christine's book, the wisdom of the mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. Jan Richardson. So good. And had, you know, her own sudden death of her husband yes. and her business partner and her creative partner and has had to remake her life. Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. I think today, you know, we, we started out by asking, you know, is scripture relevant? And that's a valid question. And so where are the scriptures that relate to your current situation? We encourage you to read them aloud with the very force of your feelings. Weep if you have to, and let your ears and God's ears hear the truth of your 21st century self. Where are you at? these days, you are relevant. And so is scripture. I love that. And I, you know what, um, of all the podcasts, this one so lends itself to further conversation with a friend, um, mm. be fun to listen to and discuss with a friend. So mm. Melinda, thank you. Thank you for your wonderful thoughts for bringing the, the scripture reading to the podcast and to life. And, um, so appreciate you as always. Well, I'm grateful to discuss this with you, friend, and to have that opportunity. So I consider it um, gold. Thank you. Thank you. To everyone else, keep the conversation going.